City fans. My name's Reese, a.k.a. Referees, a.k.a. Meta World Reese, a.k.a. the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. And I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Hot Take Mondo. Mondo, how you doing today, man? Oh, man, I'm sick, dude. Um, the the, uh, the uh, Chiefs are going for a, a dynasty, or sorry, a three-peat, and my sickness is going forth. Actually, officially, is a three-peat. Ugh. So my wife and my baby... Well, actually, we don't know if Theo had COVID, but my wife had COVID about a month ago. Directly following her COVID, all three of us get the stomach flu. And then just when we thought we were out of the woods with the stomach flu, right after that, that's right back to back to back, then we all get the cold. So I'm just uh, kind of, I'm almost done with the cold. You know, it's like everything's kind of coming out. It's out of the throat. Um, So I'm I'm almost out of the woods, but it has been, um, it has been a crazy three-peat, man. I'm telling you, the the, uh, things that had to go in place for me to get sick three times in a row. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of hot take Mondo getting, I'm actually pretty like, like my, my, my metabolism is pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll, I'll take some zinc. I'll take some mucinex. I'll take some uh, emergency with some vitamins, do that little natural cocktail. And then things, things kind of flush its way out. But I'm telling you, dude, a month of sickness this is built different, dude. I had to go week after week. Things had to go my way in order to get this dynasty. Dude, if it was the Gronk sickness, it would have broken down by now that's so sad <laughs> what's up with you reese what's new man um well i spent this past weekend well mostly sunday uh i, I told you sort of how bowie hopped the fence and got out yeah so, uh-huh. so my father-in-law came over and we essentially extended the fence i got some like it, it's v- oh, okay. very country looking right now i got some of those like green tea bars and like thick chicken wire that you see you make like cattle fences out of so <laughs> nice. we essentially like stacked our fence with this stuff and it's like a border now and i mean it looks pretty uniform and good it's not gonna win like better home and gardens anything but parkville ranch what? style parkville I mean, ranch style but for real though i could probably have chickens in the backyard now if i want it's high enough so. <laughs> hey, chickens! Chickens can sustain you for a while, dude. Just eat that dude, protein. I think I told you, Bowie, Bowie's first eight weeks of his life, he lived in a chicken coop, so he's probably like, yeah. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Kumbaya with the chickens. So I spent Saturday <laughs> doing that. Took care of some other stuff around the house. Uh, no, it was Sunday. Took care of uh, other stuff around the house on Saturday, and otherwise, been nice weather. So I've been walking the dog more, and that's about it, man. Nice. Excellent, man. Well, hey, if you uh, you out there now that now that Reese is hosting this, I guess I have to do the social yeah. media shout out. I don't even listen when Reese does it, so here I go. <laughs> Wish me luck. If you, if you want to donate on Patreon for more than three cups of coffee a day, uh, so you close. Can <laughs> but do it. You can donate on patreon.com forward slash Fountain City SM. Uh, is that right? Patreon.com backslash FCSM. <laughs> Cheapers. <laughs> Oh, when I say forward, when would I ever use Dude, forward good, slash? I feel like forward slash is like a super 90s <laughs> URL thing. Check out DisneyChannel.com. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I have to use it for like coding or something, and I just use one of my program uh, yeah, languages. No, 100%. I don't even know. Like, yeah, what is forward slash used, and why is it used? No, I, I don't use forward slash in coding. There is this like one random code that I 
took from something that had a forward slash. But anyway, another story, another day, another podcast. But donate on Patreon, whatever whatever Reese just said to donate. Only one cup of coffee a month can get you exclusive content, uh, including all of our Last Dance documentary commentary, uh, some exclusive beer reviews with some beer professionals, and also the in-depth deep dive of the Fast and Furious franchise. That's right, Reese and the rad Russian Nikolinko, uh, Alex Nikolinko, sorry. Um, they commented on every single Fast and Furious, and they have some more coming up this summer, actually this spring, so stay tuned for all that content you can find on Patreon.com. If you're unable to donate financially, at least follow us on all our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, all of those we're, we're going to be ramping up. Uh, make sure all those are good, um, or just follow us on all podcast platforms wherever you listen to your podcast download like subscribe give us those ratings um but yeah if you can do it on patreon that'd be great so then reese and i can buy those in spags we trust shirts from walmart.com spags we trust shirts like every time i look at them they're so <laughs> stupid but so funny especially if like i know it's like i was like, did reed actually make those or did like one of his friends make them and he has worn them no, yeah, no, someone made them where it's like, it's supposed to look janky. It's supposed to look like, you know, 1998. I'm like walking into Walmart and they have those like yep. graphic tea, um, graphic tea shops. And like, it's your, it's your high school club. You guys are making like these like, you know, crazy designs. Yeah. I think it's supposed to look kind of janky. By the way, Spags has been all over national media. He's been, he's been milking it up. Well, well deserved. Did you also hear that? He said that if the opportunity arose and it was the right fit that he would want a head really? coaching job. That's interesting. That's interesting. Well, I mean like what would yeah. the right opportunity look like? You know, it has to, I mean, for, for Spag, Spag seems like the type of guy that like is an organizational dude, not necessarily personnel. So I feel like it'd have to be someone he likes. I mean, maybe like the Giants, maybe going back, um, if he still you know has good blood with them. I don't know, but he definitely left he left the window open. He just did an interview with Peter Schrager of uh, of NFL Network, and he alluded to that. If the if the opportunity is right, he'd take the an head coaching thing for job. Spags that he's older than Andy Reid, isn't he? Isn't he like sixty seven or something like that? Yeah, he's he's uh, hidden it's close like, look, to seventy. The guy is a killer D coordinator, but this is an age where teams are going super young at head coach and offensive minded. Yeah, he's already had two stints at head coach, and it did not go well either time. Right. You know, I just don't know who would. Vic Fangio too kind of poisoned the water. Remember, because because he was the Bears DC and went to Denver mm, and like point. did not do well there. You know, right. I don't know which team would go after Steve Spagnolo at this point, to be honest. Yeah, if, if, if you're going to be a specialist and you're going to have, you know, this intellectual mind when it comes to football, you also have to be able to connect with the guys. And not that Spag doesn't connect to the guys, but he's no Mike McDaniel. He's no Kyle Shanahan. He's no Sean McVay when it comes to like being young, hanging out with these dudes at the club, you know, going to their weddings and stuff like that. I, I, I think you're right. They're headed towards a younger generation. That way they can connect with the connect with the players uh, where Spags maybe not might not have 
that you alluded to Fangio just older guys that of course are still geniuses and still like change the game right people are still stealing Fangio's defensive schemes even today in 2024 but you got to be a leader of the locker room another guy that kind of jumps into mind the polar opposite is Cliff Kingsbury who I think is actually a good offensive coordinator I think he has great plays I just I just listened to um Johnny Menzel and uh, and uh, what's his name uh, Shannon oh, Sharp they had a two hour interview and I tell you dude he talked about Cliff for like 40 minutes out of, out of the two hour interview yeah. so interesting to hear how much Cliff actually was like a great coach um, and like where he ranks you know people when it comes to like their 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 innovation their playbook he was like kyle shanahan one cliff kingsbury two and i was like that's so interesting you would never think that but the more i thought about it, the more i'm like you know he, he i think he is a brilliant mind just not the greatest mm-hmm. of head coaches like to really rally a group i you know just just watching hard knocks and cardinals i was like man this this dude he's well, boring as heck. another thing to point out too it's like i think spags is like an elite blitz disguiser and I think Kingsbury is like an elite identifier of quarterback talent. But like you said, both of those don't yeah. translate to the entire scope of services you need to be a head coach. Yeah, you got to do Now, here's another thing. When, when Spags was doing that interview, did he say NFL head coaching job or did he just say head coaching job? I think he said NFL. I don't think he'd go to – I mean, I guess he could go to college, so but say, I don't know. I was going to say, I'm like – I just maybe I just well, assumed I mean, the reason I ask is you know, we, we just said I can't think of an NFL team that would give Spags a call but like is there a high you know power five conference that would be like hey Spags we'd love to have you be the head coach at like LSU or something like that you know yeah well, maybe actually a really good segue into the first thing I kind of wanted to talk about today you know we are in that weird you know how after christmas between like christmas and new year's you have that like week where like the date doesn't make any sense and it's just kind of like ethereal and you don't know what's going on yeah we're kind of in that part of the season for football where the super bowls happened we're over week out you know the parades happened the lull is down but we're not in combine mode yet so it's just kind of like what do i do with my hands so we said we'd take this opportunity right. to kind of wax poetic a little bit more on some of the opportunities we have as a two-time Super Bowl defending champion. Uh-oh. And I wanted to talk a little bit more today about the defense we experienced this year. Mainly that hot take I put out earlier in the year that this is the greatest defense we've seen since the Legion of Boom. Now, Armando, I happened to come across a graphic that I wanted to show you that I thought was very interesting. So, I was thumbing through Instagram. I had checked out Fountain City SM on Instagram, seeing our updates on memes and fun things. Amazing. And I came across a graphic from NFL Network for fewest points per game allowed in the playoffs. So, amazing. Minimum three games. This is since 2000, mind you. So, you know, 85 Bears or 86 Mm. Bears aren't on here. First place, Baltimore Ravens, 5.8 points per playoff game. Yeah, that was... We've talked about that. Second place, the 0-2 Tampa Bay Buccaneers with 12.3 points per game. Third place, Legion of Boom in 2013 with 13.3 points per game. Yep. And in fourth place... The Kansas City Chiefs with 13.7 points per game. Now, I want to point something out here. 
I think we said this could be the greatest defense or an all-time defense that no one is going to talk about. Armando, is this an all-time defense that should be discussed in the same conversation as your Legion of Boom, 2000 Ravens, 86 Bears? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, going... The people that we had to play in the playoffs to get to where we were in the Super Bowl was probably the one of the hardest paths that a defense had to face to win a Super Bowl. And then not only that, but then dominating those offenses that were elite right we have the Miami Dolphins scoring 70 points on the Broncos and and even though they were kind of going in a in a downtick towards the end of the season they still had all their guys offensively the criticism that we made to Miami was their defense not their offense they still had Tua Jalen Waddle played that game Raheem Mostert and um, Devon Achan played that game right so all those guys were still there we beat them we beat Josh Allen with Stefan Diggs and all of his offensive weapons again the knock on the Bills was their depleted defense then we play Lamar Jackson MVP of this season and we play his you know supposed to be amazing Todd Munkin offense we destroy them and then we have the mastermind of all masterminds apparently in Kyle Shanahan and his offense with all of his seven pro bowlers on offense so not only did we match up statistically but we also played the greatest offenses of this season and dominated them absolutely we should be in contention I think that's a very good point and i think that's one thing that's not going to get talked about as much as history goes on i think it's a big part of it has to do with out of all four of those teams mentioned we're the only one that had a serious pulse at quarterback unless you want to count 2013 Russell Wilson, who I think we've discussed was arguably the eighth best player on that team. He wasn't very good. Right. <clears throat> right. And I'm looking, I mean, definitely not Patrick Mahomes conversation or, or, I mean, I don't even know where you would put him, right? You wouldn't put him ahead of Peyton, Ta, uh, Tom Brady. Like you'd put him maybe like 20th Super Bowl quarterback, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at the Legion of Booms playoff run here. So they did have to go through, I'll give them prime <laughs> Drew Brees. That's impressive. Oh, okay. That was a good scene. following yeah. that, it was Colin Kaepernick, who I think was in his first year as a starter. He started halfway through. Yeah. And then they played the corpse of the Denver Broncos, Peyton Manning, who that team did not get off the plane mm. that day. So Right. Comparing that to the fact that we've talked about, we played the number two, three, four, and six offenses in the league. And mind you, if we want to count regulation points, you can shave another three points off that total to find your average. Which offense was number one in the league? Uh, That was Dallas, I believe. Really? Let me double check this here really quick. That's funny. But that also does make sense because they definitely did run up the score. Like, yeah, they had, they one out of three times. It's like every time they played, every time they played like uh, the Cardinals, the Cardinals or the Giants, they just like blew the doors. <laughs> Scored off sixty the points. Yeah, let's see. Um, uh, to to be in the uh, in, in in the NFC, man. Yeah. To be in the NFC. To be in the NFC. Uh, okay, I lied. So this looks. I, I don't know. I swear these change every time I look. So if this stands true, this is even better for us. 
and we played the number one, number two, number four, and number six yeah. offense. I was I was gonna say one was one's the Ravens, right? One was Miami. So it was Miami, San Fran, uh, Buffalo, okay. Baltimore. We played Baltimore four. Interesting. Baltimore Baltimore was six. Six. Yeah, wow. Dallas was fifth. So. I mean, dude, they had to run through a gauntlet. Still, yeah. Two of those games yeah, on yeah. the road, one at a neutral site. It's just insane. It's just insane. Yeah, no. Now, I think the one thing holding this team back all time, which I think is an argument that can be made, is the one seasoning they were missing in this recipe all year was turnovers. This was not a defense that generated a whole bunch of turnovers. As is evidence that we, we finished tied for 27th with 17. So yeah. that's a ping, but still, when it comes down to brass tacks, it's about scoring points. It doesn't matter if you hold them to 13 with 12 interceptions per game or if you hold them to 13 just by holding them to 13. Am I right? Yeah, I'm, uh, and also uh, another reason why this probably won't get talked about as one of those Legion of Booms or you know the, the, the 2002 Ravens is that we didn't have the like Ray Lewis. Oh, yeah. We didn't have the, the Cam Chancellor. Mm-hmm. Um it would it would be interesting to see what the average age of all those teams were and the average age of us. Again, a lot of our guys are young. Our best defensive player or second best defensive player wasn't even a, a pro bowler in, in Legarius Sneed. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I think when push comes to shove in ten years, people probably won't be talking about us because of our youth. I don't think Snead is going to become a, a, a Ray Lewis type of leader or or have that type of fame, right? Or, or Richard Sherman type of fame, Earl Thomas type of fame. Uh, but he, as we know, is an incredibly solid player, an elite cornerback, and maybe one of the you know most elite performances of a cornerback in NFL history this season. Uh, but unfortunately... We we just don't have the names, right? We have we have Chris Jones, but Chris Jones wasn't our Ray Lewis, mm-hmm. right? Wasn't our Cam Chancellor. So I think that's another reason why we won't be talked about. But another reason why we're impressive is because we are. I I would dare to say our average age is probably far less superior or younger than some of these elite teams. No, I totally agree with that. I think it's a really good point on lacking like the star power or the flash. I mean, we we've talked about it before in this podcast. You know, like. Where would Sauce Gardner be talked about if he didn't have the name Sauce Gardner? You know, if, if his name was like <laughs> like Tyler Lewis. Sauce, I will say Sauce had a really good rookie year, but last year sucked. And he, and he got scorched by that dude at that uh, at the Pro Bowl. Remember that streamer? I, I know, and uh, I'm I'm going to win a bet next year because for some reason the rad Russian Alex Nikolinko thinks that someone's going to score a thousand yards on him next year, which would be. Uh, tied for like the all-time record of uh, blown coverage in a season. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, all right. Sir- I'm not sure why you took that bet, Alex, because a thousand yards is a lot. <laughs> Siri, remind me on this date. Uh, wait, Siri just popped up. Stop listening to me, Siri. Okay. Um, anyway, so I, I agree, though. So I think the closest thing we could have had to one of those names would have been Chris Jones. But Chris Jones yeah. wasn't dominant this year. This entire defense as a whole, they dominated by just doing their jobs really well. They didn't yeah. talk big. They weren't flashy. Like I said, they didn't get turnovers. Chris Jones didn't have like 18, 20 sacks or something like that. I think Chris Jones could have been that dude if he played like Aaron Donald this year or something like that. But yeah, yeah I think it's going to... I think it's the one... Or if he would have played against the Lions. Ugh, I mean, that too. You know, I, I think that is one thing that actually 
parallels this team more to that O. What would he say? It was the O three Buccaneers team we were talking about, or O four? Mm-hmm. In that, outside of like what Rondé Barber, it's like who was a defensive force on that team? It was Warren Sapp? Uh, Derek. There? Uh, yeah, Warren Sapp was there. The, the guy that won uh, most valuable player in the Super Bowl, Derek. Derek wow. Nandi. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my that's my cold chuckle. <laughs> oh God, what is his name? Keep going, I'll find well, it. Well, I mean, I mean, case in point, the fact that we're like, wait, who was on that Bucks defense? Right. You know, versus you, you can rattle off the names of the 2000 Ravens. You can rattle off the names on the you know uh, 85 Bears. You can rattle off Fair. the names. Although there was a lot of guys, yeah. Definitely Dexter Jackson. Dexter, uh, right. Wait, wait, was it? Yeah, Dexter Jackson was named Super Bowl MVP. But I mean, like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't remember. We him. don't talk about Dexter Jackson. Uh, Dexter Jackson, Simeon Rice, Brian no, Kelly. Dude, that sounds a lot like Legereus Sneed, Trent McDuffie, yeah. Leo Chanel. You know, it's <laughs> so. Those aren't even the guys that I'm thinking about. What what the hell was that guy's name? That was a wow. weird Super Bowl, dude. That was a really yeah. weird Super Bowl. The Raiders, baby. Raiders. Yeah, they're like last good seasons. Dude, I'm going to dunk on the Raiders really quick. Let's do it. Let's the great transition. Carlos Santana was the pregame. Dude. That's I think he sick. did God I think he did God bless America. Wow. Okay. Okay, right on. Right on. That's cool. But, uh, That's cool. Man. Okay, back to dunking on Raiders. Let's, let's dunk on some Raiders, baby. Carlos Sant- the Jordan rules. Santana almost soothed me from you know wanting to dunk on the Raiders, but the fact that like <laughs> Derek Brooks, Derek Brooks, the fact that the Raiders, what do they have? Do they have three Super Bowls or two? I think they have three, right? Do they have three? I think they won like two in the seventies and like one in the early eighties. But here's the thing. So like everyone's talking like the Raiders are a storied franchise. No, you're not a storied franchise. Yeah, three. If you win all your Super Bowls back in the seventies, if all of your Super Bowls happened when you had just crossed over into double digit Super Bowls and you've had one relevant season since that point, get out of here. You're not a storied franchise. You had a hot decade and it's been nothing since. You got to give props to like the Steelers who were dominant in the 70s who were like a little warm in the 80s and 90s but still there and then you know kicked butt in the 2000s again. So I'm sick of like all this Raiders talk. I keep hearing about what you know this player wants to come play for a historic franchise you know and all these historic things that happened who, here. Who wants to play for the Raiders? Aiden O'Connell? Well, I mean, now I'm hearing talk that... I'm trying to think. Who did I just see recently that's like one of the favored picks to go to the Raiders? Oh, yeah. I, I've, I've seen them wanting... Or you're talking about the draft? Uh, the combo of the draft. I've heard talk that I think Derrick Henry is one of the favorites to land at the Raiders. Mm. Um, who else was Yeah, there? I can see it. Was it maybe... I mean, it's not that like they want to go there. It's just like they would pay him. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, that's fair. But it's like, is there is there nobody else that you know people want to go to besides the Raiders and Chargers? It feels it feels like every <laughs> major coach, free yeah, agent. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of Chargers buzz. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, so we're talking. That makes sense. We're talking about ancient history here. We're talking about the Steelers. <laughs> we're talking about all that. <laughs> And I think that's a great transition into the next big topic I want to talk about as we wax Super Bowl poetic, which is Armando. I'm just going to drop this question cold on or hot on your lap right now, and you have Let's to cold answer. Where do you currently rank this Chiefs dynasty all time? Ooh, 
Okay, so if we compare dynasties, we got we got the 49ers, we got the Patriots, we have and then us, I would say. Um, so I okay, so I would say Patriots Dynasty one. I don't know if we've surpassed the 49ers dynasty. Um, I would say we're like maybe 2A, 2B with 49ers, but I can't say that we're definitively there. I say if we win one more and we are the first team to ever three-peat, then I think no matter how many Super Bowls Tom Brady won, I feel like we would jump and be 1A, 1B Patriots, Chiefs, just because of how hard it is to three-peat. No one, no one's ever done it. And if we're able to do that... um, I think that we would we would compare because if you look at a lot of the Patriots wins, they, you know, I I don't know if the, the Patriots era is more competitive than the era that we're in, particularly in the AFC. I know you and I crap on the NFC all the time, and that's fair. But this 49ers team is still good. This Bengals, Bills, Ravens. I, I I don't know. Tom Brady plays any of those guys in their in his prime. I don't know if if we still have this you know dynasty in uh, in uh, in New England. So I'm going to say right now the Chiefs are two A two B with the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, so before I drop my hot take here, I want to show you something. I, I was looking at some stats while you were talking about this, and just uh oh, it's not showing. Oh, it's a bummer. The way that your Skype video like lined up over my screen had you like perfectly in sync and overlapped with like, another sports analyst video. So it looked like you were like sitting right here debating Will Brunson and Ryan Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could share dude, that would, with you. Dude, I would take those kids to school. Dude, man. You absolutely would. I, I, it's just like it's not letting me. Not, let me pick that up here on my on my screen capture. Let me try one more time here. <laughs> it's so worth it. Seeing as I'm kind of playing the role of Hot Take Mondo today and hosting this, I want to drop, you know, some some food for... <sighs> let's, let's call it fiery food for thought. Can we do that? Drop it, baby. Yeah, hey, you can, you're, you're the Hot Take guy, so you can, you can just be Hot Take Reese Everyone today. Everyone always says the Patriots dynasty is the greatest dynasty of all time. And I know I've probably already got right. people like tuning out <laughs> with just me prefacing, saying I could be talking about this dynasty in anything other than that. Every time I look up the dynasty, I see people say it was from 2001 to 2018. My issue with that... What happened in 10 of those years? Exactly. I don't... The Patriots won three Super Bowls in the span of, what was it, five years. They won 01, 04, right. 05, lost the 06, 07 one, or something like that. Those uh-huh. 10 years in between... They had some bad playoff losses. They were losing to Eli oh, yeah. Manning. They were losing to Mark Sanchez. They were losing to some nobodies in there. That's right. It wasn't until the latter part of the 2010s that they got it back on the rails and what they, they ripped off, what, three and, three and four again? Right, right, right. Yep. I think people are too soon to count being relevant and a competitive team as being part of that dynasty because in that 10-year period... The Pittsburgh Steelers did something that was closer to a dynasty than yeah. what the Patriots were doing. What they won it in 06, they won it in 08, and they lost another one in 2011. To me, uh-huh. winning two of three and making three Super Bowls in that 10 year period is more dynastic. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm not saying that even if you split those up, 
one of those two runs isn't the best run of all time. I think it definitely has credence for that. But after rambling that plot to you, I want to get your opinion on that. That wait, say that. Uh, well, just give me the uh, thesis one more time. The Cliff Notes is the Patriots dynasty is always considered the Brady Belichick era. So 2001 okay. to 2018. I don't think that. But, but you would consider them two separate runs. Yes. And you can't count the ones in the beginning, right? You you can you can count the ones in the beginning. I count I count they have two dynasties, 01 to 07, and then okay. what, what is it like 14 to 18 when they rattled and three then and 18. Four? Yeah. Yeah, no, I I I definitely agree with you because if if um I would say critics now because the the uh, Chiefs are the new Patriots and everyone is criticizing every single thing. Imagine just just imagine if if Patrick Mahomes loses three in a row. I'm not even talking about a decade of losing. I'm saying the next three years we don't win anything. Maybe we don't even make the Super Bowl. Can you imagine what the critics would say? And then say, you know, Patrick Mahomes comes back after three years, wins another Super Bowl. Um, I, I bet people would be making the same argument that we're making with 10 years. So absolutely, I would see him as two completely different teams. They're, they're two completely different Tom Brady's. I actually want to bring up one thing to kind of help our point here. <laughs> if you go back, there's a video of Teddy Bruschi talking on NFL Live saying that Tom Brady was carried for those first few Super Bowls. Tom Brady was not at full form yet. Yeah, Ted. Tom Brady was carried by, and this is, this is Bruschi that was on those teams who loves Tom Brady and even says in the inner or in his commentary on NFL Live, he says, look, I, I, I'm not saying that Tom Brady is not the best quarterback of all time. I'm just telling you facts. I was on those teams. Tom Brady was not ready to be our starting quarterback and to be the leader of that team when they won those first few Super Bowls. He needed those 10 years to mature to become the greatest of all time. And he compares Patrick Mahomes and says Patrick Mahomes was ready the first year. Patrick Mahomes had 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns in his first starting season. So when people try to compare Brady and and Pat right now, like the age-wise, Teddy Bruschi on that team, friend of Tom Brady, says it's not even close. So not only is it not a dynasty, Reese, but if we go head-to-head Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, it's not even close. I mean... Let's be honest here. I'm going to drop another hot take within this hot take. Hot take exception right here. Tom Brady was a very okay quarterback until that 2007 year. Tom Brady's best season was 02, where he threw 28 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. He did not. He then threw in the mid 20s for touchdowns. So here's the next four years: 23 to 12. 28 to 14, 26 to 14, 24 to 12. It wasn't until 2007, in my opinion, the end of the first dynasty, where he went for 50 and 8, but that's where he had one of the most loaded teams of all time. Right, right, and, right. One of the, and arguably the greatest receiver of all time, Randy Moss. Can you, yeah, can you imagine? Well, I guess we can imagine Patrick Mahomes with Randy Moss. If you, not that Tyree kills Randy Moss, but I mean like equivalent in, in ability. But yeah, it unbelievable. And then he falls off a cliff the next year and throws for 76 yards and zero touchdowns. Like, what's that all about? Wait, what? <laughs> It's the year he tore his ACL. That's, I was going to say. <laughs> but 
to that point, let's say 2009, he's back to his old shenanigans. He immediately comes back and he throws for 28 and 13. You know, Tom Brady was not crazy, crazy good in that first stretch of the dynasty, in my opinion. So, yeah. This isn't and Teddy Bursky's opinion. So again, this is not me saying the Chiefs are the greatest dynasty of all time right now because I I don't think they are. I think you can make argument, but I think there's something else we need to talk about in here. So other dynasties you see mentioned a lot. I'm not. I'm going to gloss over them here, and I'm not discrediting what they did. But I want to. Sure. I want to kind of take out of this equation. 90s Cowboys because they were hot for like what was it like three or four years something like that and they were gone. Right. Good, but not great. I want to toss out the 60s Packers and the 70s Steelers, if only because that was pre-salary cap free agency, so it was much easier to have a great team and hold on to them. Sure. Like, could, could you imagine if there was, you know, no free agency, no salary cap, and the Chiefs could just be like, all right, we're keeping Tyreek Hill, we're keeping Travis Kelsey, uh, you know, we're keeping all these dogs that we don't have to deal. Chris Jones. Yeah. And then being able to build the way they built in the draft as well. It'd, it'd be completely different ballgame. So what they did is amazing, but it's it's a very different era, much like Bill Russell winning all those titles when there were like 12 teams in the NBA, you know? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. 70s Steel- well, yeah, I guess 70s Steelers think is a little different than the 60s Packers, but um, yeah, I would say that that when it comes to competitive football, this we're, we are at the height, regardless of the NFC, you know, sucking. You put the NFC over it in 1970s, they're probably steamrolling everybody. Oh yeah, and, and 60s Packers was also pre-merger as well. A lot of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, I definitely wouldn't count 60s Packers for sure. Not discrediting what they did, which is still amazing and great. I'm just saying, like, this is apples and oranges. In right, terms we're, of, we're, we're talking about one, two, three best ever, ever, ever. It, it, yeah, it's hard to compare with rules. So I want to then bring up the 80s, 90s San Francisco 49ers. Who I yeah, who are right now I have above the Chiefs. I have them above the Chiefs or about the same. I still might have them as best of all time, dynasty wise. Oh, okay. And here's why. Over the Patriots. Well, I know why you're reasoning why you don't like the Patriots, but yeah, how about 49ers? Why? So the 49ers dynasty run was not too dissimilar from like what the Spurs did in that they didn't rattle off a bunch of Super Bowls in a row. It wasn't like they got hot and then they cooled off. It was a long period of time, I think about 13 years, kind of like the Patriots, but I don't think they ever went more than two or three years without winning a Super Bowl, uh, which I think is huge. They didn't have that 10-year lull the way the Patriots did. Also impressive on that side is that in that time period, it was a different team from the beginning, a different team in the middle, and then at the end, they won another one with Steve Young at quarterback. Right, right. So that to me is a very impressive dynasty that they're able to like carry all of that over. Now, if the Patriots won one with Mac Jones in the early 2020s, then I'd be like, yeah, that second Patriots dynasty I think is the best dynasty of all time. But I think for longevity's sake, for Super Bowl titles, which is still five for the San Francisco 49ers, and all Mm -hmm. of the pieces that were part of that, I think there's huge argument for the Niners to be considered the greatest dynasty of all time in the NFL. Yeah, no, that's fair. Five Super Bowls, the 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 uh, continuity, and that they're able to win with different quarterbacks and have you know elite, elite, elite offense, and of course a pretty a pretty decent defense as well. So, yeah, I think with that argument juxtaposed to your to your ten 
year drought of the Patriots. I would I like that argument. So last thing. You got the Patriots that some consider a super long dynasty that I consider two separate dynasties. You got the San Francisco 49ers, kind of San Antonio Spurs, you know, always one of the best three, four teams in the league, but never like overwhelmingly dominant. I think what's interesting about the Chiefs current dynasty is that this is probably like the most concentrated of success that we've ever seen in the league post salary cap era. Because just, just for some numbers here, just for some numbers, six straight AFC championship games. Five straight AFC championships at home. Four Super Bowl appearances. Three Super Bowl wins. Two in a row. One team to ever do all that. And it's the Chiefs. And and to add to that, Patrick Mahomes carries the most salary cap um, than any other quarterback in Super Bowl history. It's a very good point. That's a very good point. So that that Veach is able to do that, assemble a team and still have, you know, not the Tom Brady discount still getting paid quite a bit and winning is quite impressive. I would say what the Steelers are doing right or what the chiefs are doing right now is actually more in line with what the 70s Steelers dynasty looked like, but we're doing it in a post free agency salary cap era, which, yeah, which is 10 times harder to do. The one thing they have on us that we don't have is the Steelers. I think are the first and only team to win. Maybe they're the first team to win back-to-back Super Bowls. Like, no, I think uh-huh. they were the first team to do that. Uh, we could be the first team to three-peat. Knock on wood. We'll see. Uh, but I think it's also really interesting in that this team has looked so different over this dynasty run versus, again, the Cowboys were like the same team in their run. You know, the Patriots in their two runs were kind of like the same team. We've had super high-efficiency offense with Tyreek and Kelsey and all those guys. We had the team that won last year that was kind of like middle-of-the-road offense, middle-of-the-road defense. And we had a team this year that was like defensively dominant, offensively stagnant. So it's, it's very impressive they won in so many different fashions during their run. All right, Armando. So all that being said, I think... It's an interesting dynasty conversation. I just want to say one last thing. I am not saying the Chiefs are the greatest dynasty of all time because I don't believe they are right now. So let's just clear the air on that. But that's all we have for now. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk some early offseason departures, predict where some players might wind up, and also maybe do some early NFL draft talk. So you're listening to Found City Sports Media. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Fountain City Sports Media, uh, where we left off. We were talking about where this defense and where this dynasty ranks all time. But we can't be looking in the past right now because we have to be looking at the present and the future. And I've got a three-peat. <laughs> three-peat. So we did say this team has looked different with every Super Bowl they won. And as is with every offseason, we have some key departures that have happened and some key players that will be hitting free agency. So I want to start with the tangible one we have, which is it would appear as if the Chiefs have moved on from punter Tommy Townsend as they sign the controversial punter Matt Ariza yesterday. Armando, what's your initial reaction on this? So I, I messaged Buffalo Mike and I was like, hey, how mad are you that we have your punter now? He was like, I don't care. I hope you guys punt more next season. What a stupid position. He's never allowed in the state of Iowa now. Like he knows that, right? They're gonna set up like a police barricade anytime he's on like I eighty. 
Look, for us for us to go from, you know, Tommy Townsend being an all pro punter to now going, you know, to saving money and then getting a guy that is potentially could be one of the greatest punters of all time. Already, you know, the small sample size that we've seen um, in Buffalo before he got released. We saw a what was it? A like 90, 80 yard punt that he, he made oh, at one point. Yeah. Um, just absolutely impressive. I, I, I love this pickup. Um, if you. If, if, if we do want to talk about the kind of legal stuff going on, all of the charges have been dropped for Matariza, the punt god. Um, so we don't have any um, legal hearings or anything pending for Matariza. Um, so we are getting someone that has been exonerated from all the drama that was happening last year when he was with the Buffalo Bills. So I do like this pickup. We save money and we possibly upgrade at punter. Although, of course, I'm going to miss Tommy Townsend, um, just him as a character, him as, you know, just a really, a really awesome guy and a really productive guy. Um, I, I will be interested to see, can can Matariza be the holder, you know, for uh, for Butker? Uh, I know that we have a small sample size of him doing that in college. And if he's able to do that, then it's like a plus plus for us to have Matariza. So big win for the Chiefs already. I'm excited about signing Matariza. <clears throat> I think there's a lot of potential in the guy. So, as you know, Armando, as a fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes, I am a certified expert in uh, identifying punters <laughs> and their traits and their skill sets and all that stuff. Of course, of course. So, I want to kind of break down our little punting, uh, our little, little punting time on here. So, we were blessed for a long time to have Dustin Colquitt, right? Colquitt, Absolutely. He was great. He was very surgical. He could place the punt wherever he wanted. The ironic thing about him is I legit don't think without the wind and a crazy bounce, he could punt it over 45 yards if he wanted to. He, well, he was like an auto 45, auto put it where he wants, but he wasn't a field <laughs> flipper necessarily. Go to Tommy Townsend. I always had a bit of a twisted relationship with Tommy Townsend because he was the opposite of Colquitt in that he had a big leg, but his placement was subpar, and there would be stretches where, I mean, it's like he just couldn't get a clean punt off. And we saw it in the Super Bowl. Like, up until that one that hit the back of that dude's leg, Townsend was not playing well in the Super Bowl or the Ravens game, for that matter. Mm-hmm. There'd be some okay. games where I'm like, this guy is the truth. Maybe he's figured it out if he's got his placement here. I know he was all pro, but... He was inconsistent. And that's not even counting, like you said, that kind of drama he went through last year when Butker was missing all those PATs and Colquitt said mm-hmm. Tommy's not holding it right and they got into a huge snafu, yada, yada, yada. Ariza, I will give you, has that monster leg. He is a field flipper. I love it. But you can see it in the way he punts. His entire strategy is to just yeet as hard as he can. And that was his thing in college. Like... He's throwing his entire leg into it. His placement, not there. Not terrible, but not there. He is a pure field flipper. So if we can teach placement and place holding into him, I think he has some very high potential. Yeah, no, I, I think he's great. Um, to, to Buffalo Mike's credit, um, 
I don't think the punting position matters as much. Uh, yes, we do. Okay, fine. Like Tommy Townsend had a couple bad punts in the playoffs, but that's not something that you and I go to when we talk about Fountain City Sports Media, you know, instant reaction for all these playoff games. In saying that, if that is Matarize's only issue is that he can't place the ball, but say we're, you know, say we have another um, Kadarius Tony drop and it is we are on our five yard line then it doesn't matter to me if we have the punt god yeeting it out of there i think that's all that matters you know i I think it's interesting well so here's the thing you're talking about yeeting it out of there and that's why it is important now if we need him to cough and corner something it doesn't look like it'll be great but if we're pinned back and we need someone to flip the field and kick like a 60 plus yarder that's super important same thing with like when you're playing a team that has a really good punter and their offense might be stagnant but they're getting to about their 35, their 40, and they got a punter that can pit you inside the 10 every time. So your playbook is stuck at the beginning of every drive, and you have to get out of that red zone. You can't do it. Suddenly you got to punt it back to them. You're lucky to get it back to midfield. It's a slow game of matriculation. I know this is my Iowa showing out, but particularly in a year where we were so defensive-minded like the Chiefs were this year, some of those instances of being able to flip the field to give your defense a break when your offense can't matriculate the ball is huge. Yeah, I mean, of course, like there is an impact. Absolutely. I'm not saying that there's like zero impact, but um, I think having Matt is a huge plus, even if like he has the same weaknesses as Tommy Townsend, just practically just that we're saving money when we absolutely need to save money. Yeah, I, I heard there was talk last year. I think he was valued at like three million on the open market. And I think oh, yeah. and I think he I think he took a haircut to come back and stay with the Chiefs. But I think this year he's out to get some money, which is totally fair. I wish him the but best. he's technically still on his rookie deal, right? No, I think he's off his rookie deal now interesting yeah okay. so I, I wish Tommy the best met him once really cool oh no no, no. I mean I mean Matt I'm not oh, talking Matt. about Tommy. oh yeah Matt's Matt's on his record yeah yeah sure. Matt's still yeah so we got a lot of time with Matt and I'm not sure if like <laughs> they freeze his contract when it's like it was last year and he's like kicked out of the league but he's not kicked out of the league I don't know we'll, we'll look into it we'll right. look into it right. so I want to transition to one more thing in this episode and that is uh this is gonna be some early draft talk here so the middle ground here is going to be wait. Well, so we're so we'll wait next week then. Talk CJ Sneed all that. We'll wait. To talk CJ Sneed and all them because I, I don't think we have enough to talk right. about. You know, in terms of development yet, the market hasn't transpired. Okay. Uh, but right now we do have two guys facing free agency. Well, not free, free agency, but uh, MVS McCole Hardman, two of our much maligned and bemoaned receivers. Uh, my question to you right now is do you think one or both of these guys stay on the team next year maybe mccall if mccall doesn't find another offer um again it's curious that he got dropped by the jets there could be some things that we don't know about there and that the chiefs were the only ones that were able to pick him up even with his production in the super bowl um i feel like teams made that mistake last time where they said oh yeah no mccall he's got it let's go in the jets the jets go and pick him up i don't think teams make that same mistake or get fooled by his production particularly with the chiefs so there is an avenue for him to stay uh mvs there is zero avenue i think mvs is gone there's a lot of exciting opportunities um, for us if we do cut 
uh, MVS, we save, I, I think like 12 to $13 million on the books. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a no brainer. He leaves. If we get a, a, a hometown discount with McColl, then he stays. Otherwise it's fine. Both of them gone. Thanks for what you did in the playoffs. I think it'll be interesting. I don't know if McColl is valuable enough. It's like, maybe they keep him on like an absolute vet minimum just as like, yeah, super have to, it would have to be vet. Yeah. I, so here's my thing. You know how I said at the beginning of the playoffs, there's absolutely no way we keep MVS next year? Reese, do not, do not give us an argument that he stays. Do not give me a $12 million argument that he stays on this team. I won't give you a $12 million argument. I'll give you a $3 million argument. So I think it's possible that, again, if we need receiving depth, that MVS stays on the team and played himself into a Frank Clark-type contract... Because if you remember that final year of Clark's, Clark's contract, he was owed like, what was it, like $24 million or something like that. And the team's like, yeah, you flash in the playoffs every time, but like, you're not worth $24 million. So what they basically told him was, it's going to cost $5 million of dead cap space if we cut you. We would rather keep you at $5 million than cut you and just eat $5 million. I think there's a chance they do something like that with MVS where it's like, look, dog, you're not worth $12 million. It's going to cost $3 million of dead cap space to keep you. Would rather keep you at three and keep you as like a specialist type player than eat $3 million and not have you. I don't think this wide receiver room is good enough to not have even an MVS type guy, a wide receiver four or five. So what do you think about that possibility? I don't like it. And coming from you, I really don't like it, Reese. Imagine imagine a, a week five Reese hearing what you're saying right now. You would week five Reese would be would be slamming the door, f- f- putting putting his computer on fire, his podcast equipment on fire and say, how dare you future Reese talk about this after I just after I just wax poetically about MVS being the worst wide receiver in NFL history. Well, so here's the thing. What's wrong with you? What happened to you? Okay, so I, I hate that I'm defending MVS because I mean I never would have thought this would be a thing. But I never. I'm shocked. I'm flabbergasted. But his utilization in the playoffs was so different than his utilization the first year or first two full seasons and first playoffs he was here, whereas. Andrew was using him almost exclusively as a vertical threat, a deep vertical threat, which at this point we know he's not. He has the speed to take the top off sometimes, but his tracking, his hands, not good enough to be a deep vertical threat. He was just eating interceptions and incompletions. In this playoffs, Andy used him more as kind of like a glorified X receiver running some more short intermediate routes where it's like, I don't need you to adjust to where this pass is going to be. I just need you to run this route and catch it when Pat hits you right in the hands. And we saw more success in the playoffs with that when he was more of a wide receiver 4-5. I'm calling you up four times. I need you to catch three of them type dude. I think that could be worth $3 million for his physical skills, for knowing the offense as well as he does, and for being a veteran presence. Yeah, I, I haven't done like the official numbers on free agency and I know things are kind of still up in the air. We still don't know what the cap's going to be next year. But from things that I've been reading, it could be as simple as we cut MVS and we can sign Mike Evans like it that. uh 
that money is very similar. And if that means that we get Mike Evans because we cut him and then we can carve out a role for what, look, if we have a Mike Evans type player, not even Mike Evans, we got Mike Evans, we got Rasheed Rice at two, we got our, our, our first round pick at three. I don't care who's at four, Reese. It can be... Um, it could be Connor Embry. Connor Embry can put on a uniform and suit up, and he could be wide receiver four if we got Mike Evans, Rasheed Rice, and a stud at three. Again, we also have your boy Justin Ross, who I, I sent you that tweet yesterday of Justin Ross saying, yo, this next year I'm coming at it. If Justin Ross is wide receiver four, Reese, then who cares about MVS, man? Cut that guy and let's and l- let's get us a star. But, but here's what I'm saying, though, is if, if we cut so, okay, so MVS is due $13.9 million this year. Right. If we cut MVS, we don't get $13.9 million back. We get $11.9 million back. There's $2 million in dead cap. Okay. What I'm saying Fair. is with that $2 million in dead cap, or what would be $2 million in dead cap, can we convince MVS to be like, we're cutting you. Will you stay for $2 million? Meaning that then we have one, like... 12 million in cap exactly because we're either gonna have 2 million in dead cap or we're gonna be paying mvs 2 million dollars i think even then reese i would rather take a um put put a dart or throw a dart at justin ross and let him get some uh let let him get some reps over just securing mvs i don't even think mvs takes 3 million honestly i think i think some stupid team would take him and and pay him the bag like like for example uh jacksonville jaguars if jacksonville drops calvin ridley then they you know they have this hodgepodge of wide receivers maybe they sign a guy like mvs for more than three mil so i in both scenarios i don't like i understand your logic it's just not I just don't love it just because of all the PTSD I have from MVS this season. You know, that's totally fine. I never thought I'd be on a soapbox trying to. I know it's, it's wild, man. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm going to buy you an MVS jersey from DHgate.com, baby. Our unofficial official sponsor. He almost had me until he ran that pass, like <laughs> caught that eight yard pass and ran it backwards, like 14 yards. He almost had me. I remember that. <laughs> oh, anyway. So, very last thing I want to talk about. So, if we're not going to re-sign MVS, we have to be looking to the draft regardless to replenish our wide receiver room, amongst other things. Armando, NFL.com just sent out its first mock draft and who they have going in the first round of what teams. Have you seen this list yet? I haven't, but I'm going to assume, is it a wide receiver? Well, here's the thing. Is, Is my screen sharing with you? Uh, nope, I just see your desktop. Oh, really? Oh, actually, it is It is sharing. It is sharing. Sorry, go. but there's nothing on it. So here we go. One person has Oregon wide receiver Troy Franklin. Fine. We have Florida State wide receiver Keon Coleman. Lovely. Michigan wide receiver Roman Wilson. Uh, he's not going to drop that far. North Carolina wide receiver Devontae Walker. Maybe. Texas wide receiver Xavier Worthy. Nah. And then I'm counting all of these absolutely irrelevant. Michigan defensive tackle Chris Jenkins. Mm. Missouri pass rusher Darius Darius Robinson, Robinson, baby. And Alabama cornerback Kool-Aid McKinstry. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. We do not need, we do not need a defensive tackle in round one. 
We definitely do not need an overrated Missouri pass rusher who is... Oh, come on. Give me some Darius Robinson, garbage, baby. Garbage, dude. That entire team is... Garbage! That entire team is fool's gold, dude. I don't want any single player on Oh, team. my gosh. Save save this clip. I love Darius Robinson. But the thing is, dude, we don't need an edge. We need a D-tackle. Like, I know, I know, got, I know. So what, what a... Dar I think Darius Robinson's going to be a star. Last one. We are not going to take a first-round cornerback in Kool-Aid McKinstry. Oh, yeah. No, Kool-Aid's not coming Dude, for sure. we have Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson are both, like, waiting to hop in to take Snead's place if he leaves. Not to mention Nazi Johnson, who Spagnola was over the moon on prior to his injury yeah. in the preseason. Dude, we are it's loaded be fun. at cornerback. We are not going to waste a first-round pick on a cornerback. So... Let's just trim this list up a little bit and look at the ones that actually matter. Armando, I got them pulled up right here. Off of these five wide receivers. Sorry, still still can't see anything. It's just it's just a blank screen. Really? Okay, so so who okay, so your question is out of the list that you've given me, who do I like the most? Who do you like? What do you see realistic? Just your thoughts. There's one guy that's not on this list that I've seen a lot that I really enjoy. So there's two ways we can do this. We can draft a guy that we want to be wide receiver one in the future, mm -hmm. or we can draft a guy that fits this system right now and could potentially be our Sky Moore, right? Can potentially be our guy that's doing these, you know, soft, shallow routes. I, I listened, I forgot who I was listening to, maybe someone from Arrowhead Pride or someone from Kansas City Sports Network, and they brought up a really good point where we still haven't seen the final form of, of Rasheed Rice. There's, you know, the reason why Rasheed was drafted, and we talked about this on the podcast previously, we haven't seen from Rasheed in, like, in a Chiefs uniform. We haven't seen him get up to get the ball one-on-one -on -one plays that we saw at SMU, right? That's why we drafted him, and we're not seeing that yet. So we haven't had the final form Rasheed, which... Then if I'm Brad Veach, I'm drafting a wide receiver that can complement him and maybe not be wide receiver one. And to me, that looks like Lad McConkley from Georgia. Really? I love Lad. Lad Lad's hands, I don't I don't know if Lad's ever dropped the ball. Lad's Lad's comps are Cooper Cup and a really good Hunter Renfro. Like this really? dude is a plug and play, can play week one. Play in the slot, play wherever, incredible route runner, and what we need the most is his hands. One of the best hands in the draft. I love Lad McConkey. Give me some of that. If not, Keon Coleman. Keon Coleman is a little bit of a project, but I've seen enough of Keon Coleman that he's a dude that can get up and get the ball. Athletic freak can potentially be wide receiver one, but if I want a safe bet, I'm I'm three-peating. Again, we're trying to three-peat. If I want to win the championship next year, I want a guy that can plug and play, has hands, ready to run his routes. Not a big fan of Troy Franklin. Um, again, Troy Franklin may be a little more hot and cold than Keon Coleman. Keon Coleman was supposed to be like a top three wide receiver, uh, but saw a little bit of a drop-off. But I've seen enough Keon Coleman that I can say we can we can fix some of these things. Maybe not Connor Ember can fix them, but uh, but but we can we can brush up some of the things. Troy Franklin, though, I've seen some bad film on Troy Franklin. I've seen some like s wide open drop passes, and that's n maybe it, he's a project for the future. But Reese, we're trying to three peat. So give me Keon Coleman, give me Lad McConkey, give me Darius Robinson. <laughs> you know what? I, I kind of agree with you, especially on Troy Franklin. Troy Franklin to me kind of feels like 
a small MVS. Yeah, I was gonna say a, MVS. A, a slightly smaller, <laughs> younger MVS. Because what's blowing my mind is when I was reading draft profiles, I've seen a couple places say like quote dependable hands with Troy Franklin. Am I, if I'm not mistaken, no. didn't he have like a like a ten percent drop rate this last year? I I, I don't know his official stats, but uh, but I've been seeing people post on Twitter and kind of do his whole highlight reel. Like dude's dropping passes and really easy passes. I'm pretty too. sure he's a double digit drop rate like each of the last two seasons. Hell and he's got no. Bo Nix throwing to him, who's supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in the Hell draft. Hell no. Look, we the, we are not a project team. If we are truly trying to three-peat, we cannot draft a project in round one. That is asinine. The thing we need, the thing we need is a wide receiver with dependable hands, great route running, and the ability to get separation. I'm not saying they have McConkey. I'm not saying they have to be absolutely elite at all of those things, but they have to excel in those. The wide receivers we've struggled with the last few years, Sky Moore can't do any of that. Rasheed Rice, Rasheed Rice is good speed. He's getting his hands have improved over the span of the year. His route running is still a little weak. That's why I'm not quite sure right. that he's going to be a wide receiver one ever. We need someone who has the ability to like run a route, burn a dude, and catch the passes thrown to him. Yeah, and that and that that could be Keon Coleman. Um, also, Lad Lad is being projected to actually go in the high second, so we can either wait for Lad and maybe get another guy, maybe get a defensive tackle. Uh, because again, we'll talk about this on another podcast. But uh, if if we can't keep Snead and Chris Jones, then we might have to look at defensive tackle um, and fill it out, or even offensive line. I don't know. We have a lot of question marks there, but uh, we can we can wait on lad and i think lad is a plug and play guy okay final question then and then we'll call it a wrap for today more likely scenario chiefs move up to get a guy they want in the first round or chiefs move out of the first round to get more picks later on I think there's too much talent in the first round that they can't pass it up. Again, this is a really great wide receiver class. Again, you got a guy like Glad McConkey. You got a guy like Kian Coleman that can drop to the second round too. And there's about ten guys that have first round grades that you know might go in the middle of the second. Um, I just I, there, there's just so much talent. I don't see the Chiefs passing it up. Did they need FAU? No, and they they took them anyway, which tells me that's kind of Veach's mo. Like Veach is going to take somebody in the first round so i'm going to say it's easier for us to move up than move down well okay so devil's advocate here the i still subscribe to the only reason they took fau is because they had to draft at home i know because they were in kansas city so stupid i think you would have traded out otherwise so although maybe i won't say so stupid now especially we saw fau make one play in the super bowl hey like that super bowl in the biggest moment he, he makes a tackle for a loss like the, good on that's him. a good point and you know devil's advocating myself that veach is going to draft in the first no matter what he did take ceh back in 2020 just for the lols remember that was a lols pick right so I, I i think i think if they love i think if they see one of their like top three wide receivers on their draft if they see them drop to like 15 16 yeah i think i think uh veach moves up because he did that with with trent mcduffie right he moved up because he saw he and and he talked to trent he was like i had no idea that you would drop this far and especially in this draft reese where we have no idea, and we'll talk about this later probably with mel kuyper jr sorry sam kuyper jr um especially in this 
this draft. We don't know where all these quarterbacks are going. People might be stupid and take Knicks, Penix, take these guys in the first round, which means some like true first round talent are going to drop to us or very close to us. So it, it might be fun for us, dog. It'll be interesting. I think if there's a run on wide receivers and they know there's some wide receiver teams coming up, I can see them jumping forward. Uh, very last thing I will say is good point on the uh, Trent McDuffie thing. I would love to add uh, Matt Ariza to the list of the Bills curse of the Kansas City Chiefs and <laughs> that we take. Where? Wait. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I'm go just ahead. saying, you know, between the Patrick Mahomes trade, between dunking on him in the playoffs, between jumping him for Trent McDuffie. Now that we get Matt Ariza, I hope he turns out to be the greatest punter of all time and we can dangle that on the list as well. <laughs> Um, the the the, uh, the Bills have the had the twenty eighth pick this year. You know, Veach is looking at twenty seven. Oh. Veach, please move up to twenty seven. Do like a first and a fourth. Fine, first and a fourth. Move up to twenty seventh and get their guy. I don't. I don't even care if it's like a need. We don't even need. Say it's like linebacker or something. They need. <laughs> just just do it, man. Just we're, we're thinking about taking this place kicker. Yeah, you mean the place kicker we're drafting. <laughs> Yep. Well, that's it. That's all we got for you today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what a thick cast, man. Hour. That was great. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. We'll be back next week with some more updates on what's going on in free agency and NFL draft previews. Chris Jones and Sneed, man. <sighs> we'll see where those guys land. Hopefully, we can read the tea leaves a bit more this time next week. Take care, ladies and gentlemen. Go Chiefs! today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 